Hello, precious brothers and sisters. Hey, have you ever said something to somebody and what you said was not necessarily what they heard or what you even meant? My name is Jody Coward, and I would like to welcome you to the Blood of the Lamb Ministries' new podcast, Twisted Perspectives. Twisted Perspectives is about expressions that you've often heard, but we've put a new and slightly twisted biblical perspective on them. And occasionally, we'll even discuss some other biblical topics. The Pit It seems that a particular person fell into a pit and he couldn't get out. Have you ever noticed how other people treat someone who, due to circumstances beyond their control, have fallen into a pit? I know you probably never have fallen into a pit yourself, but I have certainly fallen into my fair share of them. Some of those times I not only needed God's help, but I needed some personal help as well. You do realize that God sometimes works through people, don't you? We've all at one time or another needed a hug or just some encouragement. What we do not need is for someone to condemn us or someone to come along and make us feel guilty. So hey, let's look at how some folks react to a person who has fallen into a pit. A subjective person says, I sure feel bad for you down there in that pit. An objective person says, well, it had to be somebody, so why not you? A religious person says, well, only bad people fall into pits, so evidently you're a bad person. A mathematical person came along and calculated how the person fell into the pit. A news reporter wanted an exclusive on the story of the person down in the pit. A fundamentalist says, oh, you probably deserve to be in that pit. A Calvinist person says, if you'd really been saved, that would have never happened. A Muslim would say, See, you were saved and you still fell into a pit. A charismatic person would say, Oh, just confess that you're not in the pit. An IRS agent would ask, Hey, are you paying taxes on your pit? A county inspector would ask, Hey, did you get a permit to dig that pit? A self-pitying person would say, Oh, that's not a pit. Let me show you my pit. An optimistic person says, Well, it could be worse. And a pessimistic person would say, yeah, it's going to get worse. But Jesus told a true disciple, I want you to reach down and help that person out of that pit. And as a true disciple, he obeyed the Lord's instruction. Which one of these people are you? Hey, be careful how you answer, for you might be the next person to fall into the pit. So what exactly does the Bible have to say about pits or people in a pit? Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 22 in the Passion Translation. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let the word become like poetry written and fulfilled on your life. So basically... We need to become doers of the word. So if we learn something from the word, then we need to start putting into practice what we've learned. So with that said, in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, in the New Living Translation, I'm going to read this. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silent the Sadducees, and I want to throw this out there. Do you know why the Sadducees were called Sadducees? Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they were sad, you see. 
Verse 35, one of them, an expert of the religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself, and the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So the Pharisees asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. What was his response? Jesus said that we had to love our neighbor as ourself. My question is, who's our neighbor? According to the Strong's Dictionary, Concordance, number 4139, the Greek word is proseion, means to be close by a neighbor or as in a fellow man. I want to tell you all this story. Several years ago, I was at a pastor's lunch, and just all of a sudden, each of these pastors got at each other's throat. There must have been about 10 or 12 of them. And I'm sitting there listening, and I could not believe my ears. I had heard stories about pastors in certain cities and certain towns having such competition between them. But until that day, I never really personally saw it. And after about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of these pastors going after each other, particularly one certain pastor, I had enough. I just couldn't take no more of it. And I raised my hand and I said, gentlemen, I've got something I have to say. And there were two that were about to leave. But when I said that, they sat back down. I said, I have not, never said anything whatsoever at any of these pastors' lunches. I've just been here to pray for the commonality and the union of, of you guys as coming together as one body of believers. But today, what I've heard, I've got, I've got to express something. I said, you can ask, and I pointed to each one on the right and left of me, and I pointed to each one of them. I said, you can ask these two gentlemen. I am probably the most kingdom-minded minister you will ever want to meet. And I asked all of them where they were all were born, and most of them said, I was born in Oklahoma. And I said, well, I wasn't born in Oklahoma, so I understand how kingdoms work. I was literally born in the kingdom of Spain. So I totally get how their, their kingdoms operate. For example, in a kingdom, you have no voice and you have no opinion. And what I hear y'all doing is everybody's got their opinion. For example, our king has told us to love one another, and we have no vote. We have no opinion about that. He's told us to do it. And that if we did that, everybody else would know and come to recognize that we belong to him. And gentlemen, what I see here right now today is not that. So love is very, very important. So here's my question. Does Jesus give us an example of how to treat somebody in a pit and how to love others? Turns out he does. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 29 through 37, again of the Passion Translation. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, What do you mean by my neighbor? Jesus replied, There was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and you need to know and understand that it's about 18 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho, and walking it, it would take anywhere between six to eight hours. So this man had plenty of opportunity to have happened to him what happened to him. On with the, the verse. The man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon, a Jewish priest in our terminology today, it would be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
came walking down the same road, and he happened upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed over to the other side and walked on right past him, not turning to help him one little bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, we could call these deacons of the church today, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed over the other side to pass the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and he gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and took him to a quality inn or a uh, Super 8 motel. <laughs> the next morning, he took money out of his own bag and own wallet and gave it to the innkeeper, and he told him, Take care of him until I come back from my journey. And if it costs more than this, I will pay you when I return whatever the balance is. So now tell me, which one of these three men saw the wounded man and proved to be his true neighbor? The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness or mercy. Jesus said, you are correct. Now go and do the same as he did. So now I have a question. Is there an importance on how we demonstrate this love? Is it important how we help people out of the pit that they're in? If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 in your Bible, I'm going to be reading from verse 31 through 40 out of the Passion Translation. When the Son of Man appears in his majestic glory with all of his angels by his side, he will take his seat on his throne of splendor. And I'm going to throw in at this point, if you don't know this, you better wake up and smell the coffee. Jesus is coming back soon. And I want to repeat that for those of you that are hearing impaired. Jesus is coming back very soon. Verse 32, And all the nations will be gathered there before him, and like a shepherd who separates his sheep from the goats, he will separate all the people. The sheep he will put on his right side and the goats on his left. Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, You have a special place in the Father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you before the foundation of the world. For you saw me hungry, and you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. When I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. Then the godly will answer him and say, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty? When do we give you food or something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick or tenderly care for you? Or came to visit you in prison? And the king answered and said, Don't you know when you cared for one of the least of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters? then you demonstrated love for me. In the book of Matthew, you will read a very famous story, I guess you could call it. Uh, most people call it the Sermon on the Mount. I like to think of it as the culture of the kingdom. The reason I do that and think that is because every culture, there's something particular about it. For example, you have the Spanish culture, you have the African-American culture. In Arkansas, you have the hillbilly culture. Every culture is different. And it's the same with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom has a culture that people are expected to act like. 
verse 5 you read about loving your enemies. Begs the question, who can love their enemies? Jesus did, and Jesus gave us an example to love our enemies. But in chapter 6, we read, Examine your motives to make sure that you're not showing off when you do your good deeds, only to be admired by others. Otherwise, you will lose your reward from your heavenly Father. So when you give to the poor, don't announce it and make a show of it, just to be seen by people like the hypocrites in the streets and in the marketplace do. They've already received their reward. But when you demonstrate generosity, do it with pure motives, without drawing attention to yourself. Give secretly, and your Father who sees all that you do will reward you openly. Now, I want to tell you about a lady named Joyce Meyer. Most Christians have heard of Joyce Meyer. She teaches all over the world. Several years ago, she wrote a book entitled Reduce Me to Love. First of all, I want to say, Joyce, thank you for writing that book. That book changed my life. Secondly, I want to say it was the greatest, up to this date, greatest Christian book I've ever read. And I was actually doing the Bible study with it. And about halfway through the Bible study, I shocked everybody. I showed up one day and I said, okay, we have no lesson today. But what we're going to do is we're going to go to the gospel rescue mission today. And we're going to feed the homeless people. And we made a commitment to do that once a month, every month, to go demonstrate our love to people. And we didn't do it to go show off to nobody. We didn't tell a whole lot of people that we were doing it. We did it to display the love of Jesus Christ to those homeless and poor people. So now, in 1 Corinthians, there's a very famous chapter called the love chapter. It's chapter 13. Paul said, if I give all my things and help the poor, but I don't do it in love, then it means absolutely nothing. Everything that we do for Jesus needs to be motivated by our love for him. At the end of chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, Now live and abide in faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had somebody demonstrate the love of God to you and you really didn't even deserve it? That's what makes God's love so pure and so good and so cool to me, is that none of us deserve it. We all deserve a sentence of going straight to hell. But God is love, and if we're Christians, we're supposed to demonstrate and project that love. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed a prayer that, in my opinion, my humble opinion, has not been answered to this day. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, out of the Passion Translation. And Father, I ask not only for these disciples but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. Hey, I got news for you. That's you. That's me. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. This whole Christian thing, this whole Christian walk means absolutely nothing to God if you don't do it in love. So, hey, listen, I hope you enjoyed the lesson and the podcast for today, and I would like to pray for you. Father, we humbly come before you in the name of Jesus. Father, I lift up all these listeners that heard this word today. And Father, if they're in a pit, I pray, Father, that you would encourage them and to help them. If they're not in a pit, 
Father, I would ask that you would bring somebody to them in their life that is in a pit, that they can be an example of your love, an example of your encouragement to the person that is in the pit. Hey, bless you and keep you, and may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. I'd like to thank you for taking your time to listen to our podcast today. If you would like to contact us with your questions, your comments, or even your prayer request, you can do so at jodycoward59 at gmail.com. That's J-O-D-Y-C-O-W-A-R-D 59 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, remember, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies.